Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday to you, and thank you for joining me today with my guest, Shannon Addison. She's the owner and creator of My Crumby World. I'm going to spell that C-R-U-M-B-Y world. She's also written two books. She's highly accomplished, and I just want to welcome you to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Shannon. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. Oh, me too. We, uh, me too. I must just say that um, I love doing this, and 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 you are a perfect example of why. So why don't you just? Well, I like to start off my podcast getting to know you, so that our listeners get to know a little bit about you. So just tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So I am first and foremost. I'm a mom. Uh, I'm also a mentor to a wonderful high school student. Uh, and I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. Uh, I'm a volunteer. I'm a writer. Um, I started off as a writer uh, before I launched all of this. Uh, I consider myself an entrepreneur. I'm also a pickleball player. Uh, I'm working <laughs> on getting better at pickleball, but it takes a lot of practice. And uh, I, interesting thing, I met my husband while living in Arizona. He was in the process of traveling across the country and stopped over in Tucson, and I met him while he was relocating to Pensacola. And within two months was married and <gasps> relocated to Pensacola. Yes, started a brand new life. I quit my job. I had a very good job in pharmaceutical sales. Uh, I had my own house and a company car and all the bells and whistles. Oh, my gosh. Met, <laughs> yes, met him, just packed up, moved, and started a new life and uh, had two girls uh, in Pensacola. We then moved to California for a while, but became married to the military and moved and have been moving and loving life, uh, being a military wife ever since. So, what I, Okay, so here's what, I mean, this is what flew into my mind. So he literally swept you off your feet, didn't he? He did. He absolutely oh my did. In fact, God, I, was that's up, just that. so I was up for a big promotion in my job. And my uh-huh. company was investing quite a lot in my training. They were looking at relocating me to Philadelphia. And I'd already been through two different rounds of very, very specialized training to go into, mm-hmm. like, product management or district management. And I meet my husband <laughs> and within just a couple of weeks, had to go back to my boss and say, uh, not only am I not going to take these promotions, <laughs> I'm actually going to give notice, and I'm going to move across the country. Oh God! So, yeah, it that was, must. I, the <laughs> look on that person's face must have been hysterical. Oh my God! Yeah. So he, well, you I think later, but I think at the moment it was it was he was pretty angry with me. At that oh moment, God! So. 
Oh gosh. Well, I, I did mention that you are an author, but and you and you just said that you don't really consider yourself a writer. You consider yourself an entrepreneur. Is that correct? Yes. yes. So why and do you, why do you consider of, yourself an entrepreneur? Well, I I feel like what I'm creating is and not I I love to write, uh, and I do. I grew up loving to write. It was never my mm-hmm. my friend, though. I, I had difficulty writing as I was coming up through middle school and high school. And the theory my mom told me at the time was, even though I was in, I was in like advanced English classes, mm-hmm. during that particular time, teachers were, um, they believed that you learned English through speaking it and, and not necessarily through studying it. And so there was less of an emphasis on the grammar and more of an emphasis on just learning how to write critically and write freely and write creatively. And so I love to write, but my, I didn't consider my writing very good. And I lost a lot of confidence in my writing, especially when I got to mm. college and started writing papers and having them come back just completely read. <laughs> and I thought, okay, oh my gosh. maybe I like to write, but writing doesn't like me back. And so I, <laughs> that set me back a bit in terms of my writing, mm-hmm. and I just never considered myself a writer, even though I continued to write things. Throughout my life, I've written sure. things. Sure. And then as I started but, thinking about ways to break into this whole world that's, as you called, crummy, which it is, it's my crummy world, mm-hmm. writing is definitely a part of it, but it's not all of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I there's see. just so much more to it than just the writing. Well, then let's, let's talk about that. So tell us about your brand and, and what, does it, what does it comprise of? So my brand is called My Crummy World, and you said it correctly. It's C-R-U-M-B-Y for people who are listening and wondering. And the reason it's crummy with a B and not C-R-U-M-M-Y is because it's comprised of these characters called the breadcrumbs. And that is Penelope Pumpernickel, Rachel Rye, Mm -hmm. Samantha Sourdough, and Whitney Wheat. They are my four original characters. (laughs) And they leave a trail for girls to follow through their stories and their activities and their experiences that help girls understand some of the things that girls go through in their lives. That It just gives them kind of a little trail through girlhood, as I call it, so that they can learn through their experiences and hopefully find their way through. It's just navigating girlhood is hard for girls. And Mm -hmm. the breadcrumbs are there to give them a little bit of a trail to follow to help them on their way. So that's that's why it's My Crummy World being comprised of the breadcrumbs. And I just, I didn't want to have my brand just the breadcrumbs because I am expanding. I keep adding more breadcrumbs and I add things to it. And I just like the whole idea of having it be sure. My Crummy World because it kind of lends this notion that life is not perfect. Life can be crummy, but crummy mm-hmm. can be good. <laughs> so, yes. I mean, life isn't always great. And the the crumbs, the girls in my in my brand, they demonstrate through their experiences that, that you know, difficulties arise and, and things can happen and girls hurt each other's feelings. And these are all things mm-hmm. that just happen as a part of life. And so I'm yes, trying indeed. to teach girls how to be somewhat more resilient through those things mm-hmm. by following the trail. So I, I want to I spell the um, website for people that might be listening, although I will definitely have it in the, in the blog when we're done. But it's my, M-Y, crumb, crummy, C-R-U-M-B-Y, world.com. And I, yes. love, I love your homepage. You just have three of the crumbs there, but there are, there are a total of four now. Is that correct? 
Well, there are four originals. Uh, in my newest book, there are some additional. I have uh, Brianna Brioche bread. I have <laughs> PJ. She is mm-hmm. Penelope's little sister, Poppy Jean Pumpernickel, and her dog Pepper. I also have a Tiffany Toast and a Fiona Focaccia. <laughs> oh, my God. Who comes up with so. these? <laughs> Shannon, this is just – do these just fly into your brain? How do you do this? Well, it, it depends. Some days, some days I feel more creative than others. And I have now had people actually, they, I've had people, people approach me saying, well, you know, you need a Betty Bagel and you know, you need a, and so I know that there are others down the road in development. And I even thought of if, if I develop a non bread, I thought it would be hilarious if she were Shauna non, which of course, unless you're a certain age, you probably won't get that. Shot <laughs> yes, you have to be of a certain age. That, that you see, this is an example of why I like you so much. You are so entertaining. You're so clever. And we are entertaining each other's people. Are people listening? Maybe. But you know what? We are. So, I mean, I, I just, Absolutely. I love this. Oh, my gosh. And you must obviously have great animators or whatever you call these people that do the actual drawing for you because, oh, my God, it's fabulous. So well, I, um, when, I found, when I found my graphic designer, I, I really looked, I looked for a while to find somebody who really captured the essence of – and, of course, and it's, it's a guy named Dusty Hayes. He's out of Washington. He's wonderful. He mm-hmm. is the first one who really came up with the breadhead idea, and even now – with my dog, Pepper, PJ's dog, even Pepper has a breadhead. So they all have a breadhead. So oh, my God. So if you look at all the characters, you'll see that their, their head is shaped like bread because oh, they are a breadhead. It's, so. It is so clever. Well, so that kind of takes me into my next question to you is why breadcrumbs? And let me just make sure that people understand that that is not spelled with an S at the end but a Z. Like yes, z- zany. <laughs> I know, just to be difficult, zany. I know, just to be. And oh, I gosh. did that because they because they are not your typical breadcrumbs. They are they are mm-hmm. unique, and so yes, mm-hmm. I put a Z at the end of it. Uh, and in terms of the significance, so when I was first developing these, um, and I've always I've always been fascinated by this idea that when kids get lost and you you drop a trail of breadcrumbs, you can find your way. And Mm -hmm. that's just something that's always kind of stuck out in my head. And so Mm -hmm. when I first started to develop these characters and I was meeting with a trademark attorney, um, I I was trying to come up with the idea of breadcrumbs and it really hadn't dawned on me. And I literally had left lunch with my daughters, which I'll get into in a second, but I'd left their school and gone to meet with this trademark attorney with these charms that I had developed. And I was still trying to come up with what I was going to use. And as I walked into his office, I tripped over something and I dropped all these charms in this office. And I said, oh, my oh. goodness, it's like I've dropped a trail of breadcrumbs so I can find my way out of your office and we're done. And he kind of looked oh. at me in a, with a puzzled look on his face and said, what? And I said, breadcrumbs. And so all the way home from that, and my meeting with him <laughs> didn't really go very well, to be honest. Uh-huh. He was sort of interested in my charms idea. I got home that night and I said, breadcrumbs, I'm going to do something with breadcrumbs. And so I literally sat down that night and said, I'm going to have four unique characters. Each one will have her own personality. She'll have her own 
difficulty that she has to overcome. She'll, you know, and so I, and I just had all these characteristics aligned with each character. I contacted my mom that next morning who, and she's no longer with us. Unfortunately, she was a, a teacher and a, she had dual master's degrees in teaching and counseling. And I wow. called her and said, I have this idea. What do you think? And I just said, I'm going to create these breadcrumbs. And I said, I'm going to have four original and here are their names and, this is what they do, and this is what they believe. And she said, oh, my goodness, I love this. I love this. Oh, and so I went back that to the must have been so and said, meaningful. what do you think of breadcrumbs? <laughs> yeah. And he said, I love it. <laughs> you know, so, that's yeah. so interesting because, and I know we may get into Girl Scouts and different things along this conversation, but that's actually when I thought of breadcrumbs and you were describing how you dropped those um, in the office, the uh, charms, when we were in brownies um, and we would go on trail walks, breadcrumbs was part of the way that we stayed in line with fo- following the trails, so to speak. So you're, you're, you're waking up memories of mine from when I was a child, which I think is, is very yeah, interesting. But it's, it's, so, it's so very clever because, you know, you, you want people to be engaged and clearly yes. people just need to listen to you and they're already going to be engaged. So let me ask you this. Was there something significant in your life that prompted you to create this brand? Yes. I I had I had a lot of difficulties as a as a young female in elementary school with friendships. I had my own problems. And <clears throat> some that were worse than others, but I think about how much of these things that I did just out of this need, this desire to want to fit in and I wanted to be liked. And of course I was taller. I've always been taller than everyone. I am six feet tall. <laughs> so that's wow. one of the first thing people notice about me is how tall I am. And mm-hmm. when you're younger and you know, kids, they always latch on to certain things about you. Well, I was always the tallest in my class, always a foot taller than mm-hmm. everybody. It seemed. I mean, I was just always the tallest. And so I would try to do things to kind of stand out in other ways. I wanted people to get away from just my height and, and be more interested in the things that I did that were funny. Or, and so I worked so hard to be liked and to fit in, and I struggled. And I had issues that I, that I dealt with. And then I watched, I literally watched my daughters going through the same things. And I watched the relationships they had with their friends when they were in fourth and fifth grade where I had the most difficulty and I thought, mm-hmm. not only are things no different than they were when I was that age, but they're even worse. And so much more so now than even when my kids were in fourth and fifth grade because of the layers that we've added with social media and the Internet. And these girls cannot hide from this anymore. They can't go home and leave their problems at school. Their problems follow them. And when I started realizing the magnitude of this issue and the fact that parents, I, parents are so busy, I, I totally get that. And it's so hard to really, really key into what's going on with your child all the time. And that's why it's more imperative now than ever before to have the right kind of relationship with your child and to make sure you're having discussions all the time about what's going on in her life and whether or not she's getting along with her friends and what kind of pressures are being placed on her and why it's so important to be liked. Because when you get into the 
it's important to be liked at any cost. You start trading <laughs> on things that you shouldn't be. You start right. realizing that you're being mean to people when you really shouldn't be mean to people. Mm-hmm. And I think about my own, I, oh, so many times that I participated in behaviors in fourth and fifth grade to girls that I am ashamed of now because mm. I wanted so desperately to be liked. And so this is a conversation. And I know if you asked my mom, she wouldn't tell you that this was going on with me. She knew because in fifth grade I started having chronic stomach aches. Uh, so she mm. knew that there was something going on with me because I was having problems with my friends. And we ended up going to the doctor and the doctor did an x-ray of my stomach and diagnosed me with a nervous stomach. And this was all because I was fearful of what I was going to face at school because I didn't know on any given day if I was going to be accepted or rejected by my peer group. And it's because I picked a peer group that had that kind of power over me. And that was a bad choice. It was a very, very bad choice. What's so interesting about what you've you've just said, my experience was the exact opposite. I was the shortest And I was also one of the youngest because depending upon when your birthday was depended upon when you started school. school. And Mm -hmm. my birthday's the end of this month. And so I was one of the very youngest in my class, and then I was short on top of it. And so I was always getting in trouble when I was in school because I was just always running my mouth. But... I guess it has served me well in later years, but going back to you now. (laughs) So your own personal experience um, with this type of interpersonal cruelty, is this what you talk about with girls now? Yes, and and my my experience, so when I was in fifth grade, I was new to a school and got Mm -hmm. placed in this class, and because I was new, uh, we'd just moved to this, at the time it was a small town, I was getting to know everybody in the, in the classroom, and I, it was nice. I, I had the chance to kind of, I don't know, remake, remake myself. You know, I could be anybody that I wanted to be when I got there because nobody knew me. And I right. was making friends with everyone, everyone. And I was very well liked in my class, and my teacher would write notes home to my parents saying, I'm so impressed with Shannon. She's quite a leader, and she does all these things in class, and she's so great, and she really cares about the feelings of her classmates and about mm. midway through the year they moved some additional people they they closed down one class because of the, the numbers were low at our school and so we had too many mm-hmm. kids and, and you know in some classes and not enough in others so they started consolidating and they moved like a handful of girls into our classroom one of whom was somebody who I decided when she moved in she needed to be my best friend. And mm-hmm. that was where it all started because she was that friend who some days she liked you and some days she didn't. Mm-hmm. And you didn't know. Any given day, you didn't know if you mm-hmm. were going to be on her favorites list or her least favorite list. And that was when everything, everything turned. And it was such a rough, rough year because I, I became a different person the notes for my teacher mm-hmm. stopped. <laughs> Everything. Mm. And my poor parents, I really wondered what on earth was going on in this classroom right. because I, I changed so much as a person trying to be some kind of, of, I don't even know, you know, friend to this girl who would always just change on any given day. And they're called yo-yo friendships. That's, and it's mm-hmm. something that 
is very prevalent among girls where some, and I mean, you'll hear it in classes where some girls will say when they're, when they're young, uh, you're my friend today, but tomorrow you're not, <laughs> you know, today you're my friend. Wow. But, and that's just how it kind of goes with girls. It's, and so we went through fifth grade and this went on where I think about times when I was not the one that was necessarily being picked on, but there was another girl in our peer group being picked on. I sure as heck was not going to jump in and, and defend her because I was mm-hmm. just grateful that I wasn't the one who was being picked on. And right. so, I mean, that's when the whole bystander problem becomes an issue because I wasn't doing anything to stop it. And I think back on right. all of those things now and how my behavior was affected <laughs> and all of this essentially by one girl who I worked so hard to be friends with and it it had such a huge impact on my friendships with everybody else. And wow, such power. It Oof. is so much power. It is. It really is. And it, it took this poor teacher. We had a male teacher, and he tried to intervene. Mm. And he knew there was so – and this is what I talk about with teachers. If, if parents can start dealing with a lot of these problems that girls are having with their friendships, and they can start teaching girls how to deal with these issues – it does not spill over into the classroom. I think about how much is lost because mm-hmm. teachers have to step in and start refereeing all these issues with girls. And if you go and talk yeah. to elementary school teachers, they say, oh, my goodness, the girl drama in the classroom. It takes so much time away from what I need to get done because I have to deal with ridiculousness that goes on constantly because of these girls who can't seem to solve their problems with one another. And it literally mm-hmm. took a group of us to finally stand up to this one person and say no more. <laughs> and we mm-hmm. did. By the end of the year, we finally said, we're done. We're not going to do this anymore. And sixth grade was wow. much better as a result. But boy, fifth grade was a nightmare. Yeah, I, you, 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 you um, had another memory come to me. Most teachers back in the days when you and I were in school um, were women. But at my elementary school, we had one male teacher, and guess what grade he taught? Fifth. <laughs> yep. Fifth, sixth, fifth or sixth grade? Yep. Yeah. He sure did. He taught the fifth grade. That's just interesting. And, oh, and you know, that time, that time in a girl's life is, for whatever reason, is that's like really when it starts to hit. You bet. And girls start being let's, so awful to each other. I know. Well, let's 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 talk. I wanna I wanna give your I ample time to talk about this new book that you've written because you 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 wrote a book before this new one. This new one is called um, My Crummy Guide to Baking and Friendship Making, and it's made by the Breadcrumbs Presents. So I know it's not out and available yet right now, but I will be linking how people can get pre-ordering this book for for when it, it does get released. But let's talk about your book. Let, let tell us about the the parameters and what you cover in your book. Okay, absolutely. Uh and it will be <clears throat> it should be available within the next 3 weeks. Um, oh, lovely. And it's, so it's yeah, it's close. And essentially, uh one of the things I learned during the the lockdown and the pandemic and mm-hmm. so many people have reinforced this to me is that when people spend time together in the kitchen, there's a lot of time that there's this, there are discussions that are taking place and mm-hmm. all kinds of communication that goes on that nobody really thinks about 
the magnitude or what it is you're talking about because you just feel like this is kind of a free space and everybody can be who they want to be and we can just talk freely. So many people said, wow, the best thing that came out of the pandemic is my family got a lot closer because we all started talking to each other when we hadn't been talking to each other in quite a while. Mm. We were finally talking. And I actually did a festival over the weekend and had, and I was talking about my baking book and I had a mom who came up to me and she said, do you know, I learned more from my grandmother in the kitchen while we were cooking and baking. And I said, I said, how, how did that happen? I said, because of discussions you were having? She said she used all of the downtime that we had to tell us stories about her life. And then she would relate those experiences to things that were going on with us. And I said, oh, my goodness, that's brilliant. I said, that is exactly what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to foster that kind of behavior and those kinds of conversations with this book. The idea is with baking – there is so much downtime. You have time for bread to rise. You have time for things to bake. It's a perfect way to really set up. You're doing something together. You're going to literally get your hands dirty. You're working on something together, mother and child. And during that time, you can actually spend a few minutes while things are setting up or if bread's rising to sit down and then there are stories that you can read. And these stories have very specific messages in them. And I, these stories you'll see are, one of them is taken directly from my youngest daughter's experience with her friend when she came home from school and she told me that her friend told her she was her second best friend. And I just looked at her when she said this and I said, and, and how did that make you feel? And she burst into tears and said, it, it made me feel so bad, Mom. I can't even explain to you how bad it made me feel. And so I started thinking about the fact that girls rank their friendships, and I've had this discussion. I, I said, we don't see this in boys nearly as much as we do in girls. Boys don't tend to I rank see. their friendships, but girls do. And the minute mm-hmm. you start ranking your friendships, somebody's getting hurt because somebody is not going to be up you know, right there at the top of your list. And so it's a good question to ask your kids when you're with them, do you, do you rank your friends? And if you do, why do you do that? What is the significance of that? And okay. So if you're ranking your friendships, how are you going to feel when you aren't at the top of somebody else's list? What's that going to do to you to start really talking with your kids about these kinds of issues? And again, I think it's a great time to really talk with girls about the fact that, I, I truly believe that people come in and out of your lives at different times for different reasons yep. and that we can mm-hmm. have some level of equality with our friends and say, you know, you're my favorite for this and you're my favorite for that and you're my favorite for – and that way you're not necessarily saying, okay, you're number one and you're number two, you're yes. number three, you're a close, you're a, maybe a tie for third, but I don't know. And I just <laughs> – I just really would love to see girls kind of move away from that and start mm-hmm. being a little bit more inclusive with their friends. But, and that's mm-hmm. something that's been going on for a long time. So that's one such example from the book that allows you to, while you're working in the kitchen with your daughter, you can say, okay, hey, let's read this story. And as you read the story and you talk about it, you can actually start talking about some of these issues and say, hey, does this happen with you and your friends or has this ever come up mm-hmm. or have you had these conversations? It's just a great way to really start building that kind of relationship and connecting with your child while you have that time. And I just find that 
the kitchen is the best place to do it because they don't feel like they're being interrogated when you're in the kitchen. Whereas if you sit them on the couch and say, look, right. I need to know what happened and why. It's just, right. it's, it's a much better environment. It's much, much more uh, reciprocal in terms of allowing mm-hmm. them to just speak freely. So that's, that's really the idea behind it. And why, of course, when people say, well, baking, so I had a friend who said, you know, you really should do some kind of a baking book. They are all, you're, you're dealing with bread. I mean, they're all made of bread. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, they are. And so that kind of opened up another opportunity where we can really dive into the different kinds of breads and look at it maybe mm-hmm. as, you know, where, where did they originate? Let's talk about mm-hmm. that. So we can look at diversity. I mean, it starts opening up a whole world of, and one of the pages of my book says, um, although we may look different on the outside, we're all made from the same basic ingredients. And I think that's such a great lesson for kids. It is. is. When you start thinking about, that that's kind of gives you an idea of why I started weaving the whole baking idea and the, and the stories together and thought this is a great platform to really start having these conversations. You know what word comes to my mind as you're describing this? Because I've experienced this as an adult. My husband's, family polish and when we would go to Mm -hmm. detroit every christmas and every fourth of july where do we spend the time in the kitchen with my Mm mother-in-law who who cooked you know and um those were really significant moments in my life and i i think that um i think it's it's important and i a word that came to my mind as you were describing this is the word blend, how you are blending different ethnicities, different cultures, different whatever, or not maybe what's different, but what's exactly alike. You're with your mom, and the two of you are doing something. She's brought her own experiences to the kitchen. Now you're bringing yours. And I I just, I think it's brilliant. What do you say to parents who tell you that their girls are not having difficulty with their peers? I actually get this um, with some really? regularity. And yeah. Hmm. I, so this summer I worked the Girl Scout convention in Orlando, which was uh-huh. fabulous and very busy. We, were, we took one of the recipes out of the baking book. We were making Play-Doh. And hmm. I tell you – I. 10,000 girls came through this booth in the span of two days. And I thought, well, heck, we're going to be making Play-Doh. This is just going to be for the younger girls. And no, the older girls lined up like mad to make Play-Doh. I had to think about that for a minute because of the slime. (laughs) And they all love making things with their hands. And so, yeah, the the older girls were there every bit as much as the the younger girls. And it was nice because as we were making the Play-Doh, it gave me an opportunity to talk directly to the parents. And so we started having discussions. And I would say, you know, when you're making the dough, I start talking about change and when change is good and when change is not good. And that kind of goes hand in hand with the whole dough making. And so I asked the girls, I said, have you ever been asked to change who you are to be someone's friend? And so that's a really interesting mm-hmm. question to ask because a lot of them don't mm-hmm. want to answer that question necessarily in front of their parents. But it's, it's one of those where you have to start saying, hey, if someone is expecting you to change who you are, and I know little girls will say, hey, uh, if you want to be my friend, you can be my friend, but you can't be friends with her. 
that's, you know, there's one stipulation. You have to quit being friends with her, and then you can be friends with me. And that's a huge change. That's a big choice to make. And so when I present this question to young girls, they really have to stop because I say, hey, if a girl is ever asking you to change who you are, this may not be the person you want to be friends with. And so we're discussing this, and, and I said, I said, you know, I'm, I'm doing this really because this emphasis is on girls and the problems they're having with their friends. And so I had one mom who said, well, my daughter doesn't really have any problems with her friends. And I said, really? That's interesting. And I said, um, so if I were to ask her, I said, does, does, she, does she get her feelings hurt? Well, on occasion. I said, has she, has she ever hurt her friend's feelings? And she said, I don't know. And I said, you know, this is one of those times where, and I said, mm-hmm. I've had this conversation with, with parents before where I say, you know, sometimes if your child isn't coming to you and talking to you about problems that she's having with her friends, you might want to ask yourself, is my child then the problem? And that's a hard question to ask. But I yes. do put out on my socials, I put out a lot. What do you do when your child is the mean girl? And I actually had a mom that came up to me and said, my daughter was the mean girl, and I didn't know it. And she said, that's one of those times when you don't even realize how to step in and how to start asking questions. And she said, I only knew to look for it because I was the mean girl. And I said, oh, (laughs) okay, we're seeing a bit of a pattern here. (laughs) But I said, these are the kinds of questions. I said, "You, you cannot sit back and think because my daughter isn't coming to me with any issues that she is not having problems with her friends. I said, you really Mm -hmm. need to start asking and making sure that you understand what the dynamics are within her friendships because you don't want to be the the parent of the mean girl either. That has its own set of problems that go with it. And those girls also, they sometimes suffer because there's something that they're trying to get from their relationships with their friends at the expense of their friends' feelings that they're not getting, and you need to find out mm-hmm. what that is and get it, yeah. you know, kind of get control of it when you can. So it's a great question, and when, when, when parents say that, I will always smile mm-hmm. and just kind of sat, sit back for a minute and say, okay, mm-hmm. that's great. Well, I'm glad to hear that, but let's start looking a little, let's start looking a little deeper at the whole situation deeper. and make sure right. you really understand it. How, how have you found um, that girls are receptive to the messages that you're doing in your stories? So one of the stories in this uh, upcoming baking book is about uh, when it's appropriate for girls to apologize. And mm. it's because the story is actually called The Apology. And, and I talk about this, I talked about this at length um, at the Girl Scout convention as well, because I said there is a time when girls should apologize, absolutely, 100%. And I said, but there's also a time when girls shouldn't be expected to apologize. And girls apologize more than boys do. They just do. Okay. We are socialized to believe that we are supposed to say, hey, sorry, sorry if that came off too aggressive. Sorry if I overstepped. Sorry. And Mm -hmm. girls should absolutely not apologize for being assertive. They absolutely should not apologize for being smart. They absolutely should not apologize for being better at something than someone else. But if they hurt someone's feelings, and, and they know typically when they do, they need to understand how to apologize for that. And it's really knowing that the person that you are apologizing to gets that you understand what you did, that you're actually mm-hmm. owning your behavior and being responsible for it and saying, 
I know what I did hurt you, and I'm sorry. And so I have an activity, and it's, it's in the book. There's a little – I've got three different things um, in the book that allow you to actually pull a card out, and this is one of them. Oh. It's a, there are two apology cards that you can detach. Yes, they're cardstock, and they're perforated, so you can pull them out, and you can use them. And I did this hmm. at a school where I had girls – sit down and write out, I said, I want you, and I think they were fourth or fifth grade, I said, I want you to think about somebody whose feelings you hurt, and I want you to just write out an apology to them. And I said, think about it, and be thoughtful in how you respond. And so they mm-hmm. sat, and I gave them pencils, and they wrote out these apologies, and they put them in envelopes, and they gave them to the guidance counselor, and the guidance counselor distributed them. And the guidance counselor came back to me and said, this was one of the most meaningful things that these girls have ever done. Because girls actually had to stop and think about things that they had done. And she said it it resolved some issues that have been going on between girls for a long time. Mm. Finally, had some kind of resolution because the girls stopped and thought about, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. And maybe that hurt someone's feelings. And maybe I need to actually apologize. And maybe I actually need to be accountable for this. And she said just sitting them down and having them do that was such a great thing for them to experience. And so this is why I thought, well, this has got to go in the book so that yes. girls have an opportunity. And I, and I present that to them. I say to them in the book, is there someone that you really should take the time and actually write out an apology to? Mm-hmm. And, and it allows them to do that. And then it even talks about the correct way to apologize. Make sure that you let that person know that you understand that their feelings are hurt and that you're validating that. So that it's right. done, you know, in a very meaningful way. And that is, I, that was, it was such a great exercise to do with these girls. And I was so happy to hear how it mm-hmm. actually was received because it was, yeah. it, it was it's so gratifying. It's so, it's so interesting because I, I'm hearing mean girls in the back of my mind in my own daughters, um, a little bit older, not elementary school, more middle school. And mm-hmm. I remember the names of those two girls. Okay, so taking that aside, how is your book different from others that are on the market right now? So when I decided to put together this book, not just this book, but My Crummy Guide to Failing, I looked at all of the books that were on the market, and I, I decided, granted, I mean, this talk about taking a huge gamble. There are mm-hmm. a lot of just, Plain, I say plain. There are a lot of traditional story type books. There are a lot of activity type books that have, you know, connect the dots. And these books are a combination of these things. I do, I have stories that are in there that are short and sweet and to the point. They are followed up with specific prompts for parents to use to talk to their kids about the messages that are in the stories and then there are activities, many of which then reinforce whatever the message was in the story so that girls can actually put into practice what they've learned. And I love this format. I think it's, I, I, to me, yeah. <laughs> it makes so much sense. But right. to the marketplace, this is like, what? There's no such book like that out there, which mm-hmm. I think is great because it's filling a need that is obviously Absolutely. glaring to me. But boy, is it hard to get people to adopt something that's totally different from what they're accustomed to. And this is why Mm -hmm. I have to really talk it up and sell these books because they are totally different from everything else that's out there. 
And I love this. The goal for me is because it cre- it really creates an interactive style for this book so that parents have to sit down and really have to interact with their kids. And that's what I want to have happen as a result. Right. Granted, I mean, they're written so that older girls, yes, can sit down and read it and figure it out themselves. But I don't want to miss out on the opportunity to get parents to read with the younger girls and sit down and go through these exercises and through some of the activities so that you can build, build that connection that I, I feel like is so lacking. I think parents mm-hmm. have a huge challenge as kids become more and more dependent on their phones and on electronic devices yeah. and on computers, it becomes harder and harder to find out how to connect and how to communicate with your kid. And I've actually had parents say to me, I don't even know. I don't know. How, how do you even bridge that gap? It's so hard to even know where to start or where to jump in and where to start having conversations because my child doesn't talk to me that much anymore and my child's so quiet and I'm, I'm really right. trying to present parents with, you know, I'm, I'm literally giving you a little blueprint here you can follow. You can mm-hmm. have a story, you can Absolutely. ask questions, you can do stuff together. I'm trying to make it as easy as possible. But, again, because it's so different from everything else that's out there, it makes my job that much harder to try to explain to people what it is and why it's important and why they should buy it. So Yeah. Have you shared these stories um, with girls at school? And if so, maybe do you have um, a story that maybe you could share as a result? Yes, I do. In fact, and this kind of um, this kind of will combine a couple of of um, questions into one for you. But so okay, I, when I when the last time I went out to a school and I was talking to I I do I've done discussions with younger girls like kindergarten through third, and I have a very different message for them than I do for the older girls. So I had a group mm-hmm. of uh, fourth through. So fourth and fifth grade, I don't think they have sixth, sixth grade part of middle school now. But when I was in Correct. school, sixth grade was mm-hmm. elementary. Was ju- right. And then we yes. had junior high. So, mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So in sixth grade, I was at the top of my elementary school class. Correct. And I went out and did a presentation um, to girls at school and talked to them about, I, I mean, I told them all about my, my examples growing up, my problems with girls, and, and I even told them about the issue that I had in my fifth grade class and, and how I was a part of, of a group of mean girls ultimately and how I came out of that. And that's, and that's always very memorable. But the, the one story that I shared that I absolutely love to talk about is when I asked these girls, I said, okay, um, if you could have any superpower that you could choose, what would it be and why? And, of course, these girls all wrote down the usual. They wrote down, I would want to be invisible or I'd want to be able to fly. And so right. we looked at it. I, mean, I collected them and we looked at it and I said, yeah, this is pretty standard responses. And I said, but I'm about to tell you about my superpower because I have one. And, of course, their interest was piqued as soon as I said, I, I have a superpower and I am aware of it. And I proceeded to tell them a story of when I was in sixth grade. And I was in this very special class where we actually – put together a play uh, and we got to go to the local university and we were on film. We got to film the whole thing and it was just, it was a small class and I tried out for the lead part playing opposite a boy who I had a crush on in sixth grade. This was my first ever crush. Oh, Oh boy. And so, 
I got the I got the parts, and I I because I practiced and I knew my lines, I knew everything absolutely cold. I wanted this part so badly, and I got it. And so the day comes that we go and we're going to put this play on, and again, it's all being filmed. There's a graduate student who's helping our teacher, and he's talking to us about film production, and we're learning all about all these mm. things. And he sets the stage, and he says, okay, the two of you, and I'm sitting across from this boy, are sitting at the table, and you're having breakfast. And he said, we want it to look, you know, you're a married couple, so we want it to look very natural. Okay, now I'm in sixth grade, and I'm very nervous. I, I knew my lines. I was still was really very nervous. And he says, you know, maybe we'll, you're a married couple, maybe, maybe we'll start it off where you both enter the room, and you give each other a quick embrace, and he gives you a little kiss on the cheek. And the minute he says that, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I have a crush on this boy, but I don't want God. Nobody's going to cheat. This isn't going to happen. I, can't. <laughs> I, I went into this full-blown panic, and I am now terrified. And so I'm sitting at the table, and he senses that I'm nervous, that I'm, like, getting, ner- getting more and more nervous by the minute. And I had not been this nervous up to this point. And so he's trying He's trying to get me to relax a little bit. He was such a nice, he was a really, really nice kid. And so he leans over and he decides he's going to tell me a joke. And I remember it's just this ridiculous joke. I think it was something like, uh, what do you call a deer with no eyes? No eyed deer. And it wasn't even <laughs> that funny to me. But oh, God. I was, think about a time in your life when you are incredibly nervous and I start laughing. And then I'm laughing like uncontrollably. And I, I realize that without control, that I'm right. laughing and I'm laughing and I'm laughing and I can't stop laughing. Mm-hmm. And he's about to start the filming and I'm laughing and I'm laughing and I'm working all of this up and all of these tensions and everything. And all of a sudden I realize I wet my pants. Oh my God. <laughs> That's <laughs> humiliating. Across from this boy, I realize at oh, some God. point that I, it's happening. And I mean, my face at that moment goes from <gasps> laughter to absolute horror. Terror. And so oh, my goodness. I'm telling this to this group of these fifth-grade girls. And, of course, you could hear a pin drop when I'm telling them this. Oh, they're sure. just thinking, oh, my gosh. She wet her pants in front of her class oh, in sixth God. grade, which was older than they were. And so oh, they're just looking at me with a shock on their faces. And I said, I said, think about it. Think about that. Think about the fact that I'm sitting there. I was 11 years old. I wet my pants. I'm on film. And I said, and I'm standing here in front of you today to tell you that my superpower is the knowledge that I can experience something so incredibly embarrassing or humiliating, and I can come out the other side. I said, that is powerful. I survived it. And I said, that is the kind of superpower that will get you through just about anything. And I realized, as these girls are sitting there, that is like their biggest fear, is being embarrassed in front of your peers and or having right. an embarrassing moment and thinking that shame that you just take with you, and you can never get past that shame. But you, and you can still – and I told them, I said, look at me now. <laughs> I'm thriving. Exactly. <laughs> I live another day. And I live to tell the tale. And I said, and I can talk about it now. I couldn't talk about it for a while back then. Sure. I can talk about it now. And, that and that's was, important, I, I, isn't it? It absolutely is. And I told them, I said, I said, you have to go through your life understanding that 
it's important to take so many things seriously. And I said, I take so much of my life very seriously. I don't take myself that seriously because I know that an embarrassing moment is just around the corner for me. And it always has been and it always will be. And I have to know that I can get beyond that. And when you know that you're strong enough to get beyond that, that is the greatest superpower you can ever have. And, and it really comes from liking and accepting who you are, period. And the biggest challenge that girls have right now, and the thing that I feel so bad about for them, is that everything that they do is documented. Everything is put out there for everyone to see. Every mistake you made is, is you know, shown in pictures or in video, and it never goes away. And so it's a much bigger challenge to really get them to understand that you can get past these things and you can still Mm -hmm. move on when, when they look, Mm -hmm. I know they look through a prism that's completely different than what I had, because at that time there was no TikTok, there was no Instagram, there was no Facebook, there was no Snapchat, and there was nobody putting my picture out there the next day saying, look what happened to her. That didn't happen, right. and, I, and I'm not for any second, and I, I get, because I know as soon as people hear this, they're going to say, yeah, but I'm not discounting that there's so much social media, and, and that's one of the things I really try to preach to girls is you really need to be careful what you put out there because once it's out there, it's out there. It's always out there, but I still say have the, have the presence of mind to know that you are bigger than any of these things and that you are stronger than any of these things, and you have to like yourself more than anything that anybody's going to do to hurt you. So that's very true. And so, how how does somebody build a connection with your child to help them better navigate these difficulties with her peer group? What what would be a good way to do that? That's really through having when I talk about building through these, these uh, discussions, these discussion prompts uh-huh. that I have in my baking book, the nice thing about that is, and I tr- am a true believer, that once you start having these discussions via these questions, that you start building this reciprocal relationship where they start feeling more and more comfortable coming to you with other types of issues or problems. And that's the reason that I've told parents so many times, you can't look at this book and say, okay, this book's going to solve all of my problems. I said, this book is kind of a launching point. It's going to get you to the point where you can say, okay, I know how to start a conversation that's not going to be perceived as being, you know, some kind of interrogation. And that's where with girls, as soon as you start asking questions in a certain way and they feel like they're being interrogated, they will not talk to you. I, mm-hmm. So I go to the Boys and Girls Club, and I've done some presentations to the Boys and Girls Club, and I bring out my puppets. And you'll see the pictures of my puppets are all over my social media, and I love these puppets. Yes, I, I love them. I really hope one day, I want one day to have puppets made so that I can use them in conjunction with the stories. Because I, I allowed the girls to then use the puppets to do little puppet shows, and boy, they fought over who was going to be what puppet, and they... They really love the puppets. And it was wonderful because I got up in front of them and I said, okay. I said, have you ever had a situation where, and I think about parents doing this, and this is the kind of conversation. So if you say, okay, has your, have your friends ever done this to you? And these girls all look at me and they say, oh, no, 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 no. My friends, no, my friends never do that. I said, really? Yeah, my friends, no, they, wouldn't, they would never do that. And I said, okay. 
So then we segue into, we're going to talk about, this is a story between Penelope and Rachel. And this is what happens. And so we go through a story, and it's one of the stories out of the book, where somebody, of course, does something to one of the others, and, and they have some kind of conflict. And we let this whole thing play out. And as soon as we get done, and, I, and they will find out, oh, wow, Rachel really hurt Penelope's feelings, then one of them will say, well, you know what? <laughs> so my friend. As a matter of fact, that. right? <laughs> as a matter of fact, this just happened to me yesterday. And I said, it's incredible when you shift the focus from mm-hmm. them to fictional characters. And this is, this is nothing out of real life. This is all fiction. This is based on these fictional characters. And it's this story. Right. This didn't happen to you. It happened to Rachel and Penelope. All of a sudden, they don't feel like, well, I'm not, I'm not under the microscope. This is not me. <laughs> I can start offering some, you know, some information for you that you might find interesting about my life. And they start sharing all kinds of information. And the same happens with parents. I think about with our kids, if you just sit down and say, okay, tell me what's going on. You've got you to give me something here. What's going on with you and your friends? I know you're having problems. They just clam up and they will not talk mm-hmm. to you. Right. But if you sit down and say, wow. We're going to read a story and look, oh, my goodness, can you believe how Penelope hurt Samantha's feelings? And had you ever thought about how something like that could hurt, you know, someone's feelings? And have you ever been in a situation similar to that? That's pretty, that's pretty incredible. And she noticed right. this. And, and then all of a sudden they're like, well, you know, now that you mentioned it, <laughs> as yes. a matter of fact. And that's the way you start getting them to start talking to you. And they realize that if they talk to you about it, they can actually offload some things that are bothering them. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. when they do that and they can find some kind of resolution and they realize, hey, I'm not going to get in trouble for sharing this with my parents. This actually is helping me feel better about it. Then all of a sudden they're going to start coming to you more because they right. realize what they get as a result actually bringing you information that they would have never thought of bringing to you before because girls don't like to they don't want to tattle on their friends and that's not what this is this is really sharing what's going on in their relationships and where they're having problems with their friends so yes and there's there's a real um level of trust involved here too because yes if you're sharing this story with your mom and Susie over there did something that really hurt your feelings, and your mom knows Susie's mom. Yes. Now what? Yes, that's another. That's a very, very good point. And that, and and really, that is on a kind of a case by case basis with parents. Where parents, and I learned that the hard way. Parents have to learn when it's when it's appropriate and when it's not appropriate to go to the other child's parent because mm-hmm. you're making a decision about whose trust is more important. And there are times when absolutely if there's, there's something where some, somebody's going to get hurt or, you know, things are involved that absolutely the parent needs to know about. But otherwise, you really have to look at the relationship you have with your child and build that trust so that she will continue to come to you as things get more and more troublesome for her and bigger for her that she doesn't feel like she can handle. She'll bring those things to you if she feels like, okay, I know that I can bring this and that she's going to help me and that I'm not going to mm-hmm. have, you know, a lecture and I'm not going to have, because there's a point. Why I'll did say, you, you know, do that? Point, right? yeah. <laughs> you know, where they just tune out like, nope, I'm not going to listen to that. And that's not you, where you want to go. 
how have you involved some of the teachers in schools? Have you been able to like go to PTA meetings or parent any kind of meetings where you can sit down with with the teachers at these elementary schools and share some of this information? Yeah, in the past, I actually have been to a couple of PTA uh, conferences and PTA mm-hmm. events where after, and in fact, that's where I've, I've gotten invited to speak at schools. I had a principal walk up. She listened to my whole pitch and talking about what I was doing, and she said, I want you to come to my school and talk to every one of my girls. <laughs> I said, okay. Yeah. So she arranged for me to do different assemblies where I talked to the younger group and then the older group, and I've had guidance counselors contact me saying, hey, I'm going to put a group of girls together. I want you to come, come and just sit down and talk to them. And I, and I absolutely do. And I will, every chance I get, I'll talk to them about it. And we do a little bit of, of everything. We do some role playing. We do some activities. We talk, you know, we'll go through a story. We talk about all kinds of things. And most recently is, has been working with the boys and girls club, which has been so wonderful. They, yes. They are very, very receptive and they love, they just love any, anything that is, you know, that, that I'm willing to give to them, they are just accepting of all of it. And the girls have been so incredible and so receptive to the messages. But again, I talk about the way it's delivered, really. I mean, the way it's mm-hmm. received depends highly on the way it's delivered. And I've True. learned that there are two ways, <laughs> two, direct and indirect. And indirect always seems to work much better. <laughs> so, Well, it's what I was – you mentioned Boys and Girls Club. I, I'm, a, I'm a Rotarian. We, one of our Rotary members um, is an executive director of a Boys and Girls Club out here. Um, when, you, when you meet with these you know, organizations, it's, it's not on Zoom, right? It's face-to-face. It's face-to-face. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. That has to. Face that's to the only way it can on. be really effective. Yes. 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 And the girls at the Boys and Girls Club, I've I've had them make dough. I mean, I go out and I teach them how to make dough, and oh my goodness, they just love it. Some of them. Isn't that? It, it's interesting because hmm. I will talk to them about the different kinds of bread, and I will ask, Have any of you tried pumpernickel bread? No. And so I am anxious to get back out. I just want them to start kind of, you know, developing a, a, a greater palette for different kinds of bread and start learning about different kinds of bread because right. I want them to know. I know. You get pumpernickel and sourdough. I, I, many people are familiar with sourdough, but not pumpernickel, not brioche, not focaccia, right. yes or no. You know, and, and that's just rye an bread? opportunity to get out and start sharing. And rye, of course, and rye. And a lot of them don't eat rye bread. So Interesting. I'm trying to get them to really start trying. I love rye. I love, I love and I love pumpernickel too. Yeah. So it's been kind of fun just getting them more familiar mm-hmm. with it. And, and just so that those of you that are listening to this podcast, and I'll make sure that this is also included in my blog for the follow-up, you, you, I'm looking at this right now on your website where you can um, – be notified even before this book is available um, so that you can subscribe to this and um, and people can be prepared when this book is available. So I think that's really exciting. And I guess what, what occurs to me is not that you have a moment of time to breathe, is uh, what's up next for you? Do you have something else that's, that's out there in the future that you're looking to do? Yes. Uh, so I'm really excited after uh, going to the Girl Scout convention over the summer, which was great fun. And I'm, I'm working on developing a very strong working relationship with Girl Scouts. Next April, I'm going to a pinners conference 
in Atlanta, and I'm going to sort of dip my toe in and see what it's like. It's this is Pinterest has a huge following, and these Pinterest conferences are an opportunity not to just show everything that I'm doing with the breadcrumbs, but I'll even have a chance to host a class. So I'm going to put on a class that is directed to parents about building connection in the kitchen and how to do it and every I mean it's it's wonderful nice. because it's my opportunity to kind of pull in all these different threads and say, okay, every message, every uh recipe has some kind of lesson that goes with it that parents can take with them and I'm going to really challenge parents to start using those opportunities to build that kind Fabulous. of connection in the kitchen. So I'm looking Did forward to it. Did you say Pinterest? Yes. Like Pinterest? Is that what Pinterest. you said? Pinterest? Pinterest, yes. Pinterest conferences oh, okay. are for I didn't even Pinterest. know they did those. Pinterest. Wow. I didn't either. Pinterest is huge. It is wow. absolutely huge. Well, it yeah, I'm familiar with Pinterest. Platform. Yeah, I just yes. didn't know it was a conference. I know. So that's coming up and this spring. Well, that's very, very wow. widely. I mean, they're very well attended. It's a huge audience. Well, that's so, yes. fabulous. Well, I'm... I, we could talk for hours because I feel like I can relate as a parent um, on so many levels. And then I go back to my own childhood. And um, I think what you're doing is so important and so valuable. And I'm just, I'm just thrilled that you were able to take the time to share what it is that you do today. And that people, I, I'm like I said, I know, I know people that are school teachers and things like that, grandparents. You know, I, 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 I want people to know what you're doing. And I just, I want to thank you so, so much, Shannon, for your time today. This, is, this has just been fabulous. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. I, I love an opportunity to talk about it. Like you, I, I truly believe in the value and the importance of this mission. And uh, my mom was a huge supporter of mine and she being mm-hmm. a teacher uh she's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I keep going and on the days that are rough I hear her I hear her in the back of my yep. head saying you got to keep going it's too important you, you got to keep girl. going and and so yep. I do I do I appreciate yep. that I appreciate all of the help so thank you That's- you're so welcome, and we'll be anxious. You know, you're on social media, but I'll be anxious to to hear about how your conference goes um, this coming April. And, you know, oftentimes I have repeat um, guests on my show, so maybe we'll look forward to doing something like that in a few months from now. But in the meantime, just th- thank you for your time today and the the impact that you may never know you may never know the level of impact that you've not only had on these young girls, but also their parents um, and their siblings. Maybe that brother now sees his sister in a different light. So um, I, I just, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I can do these kinds of podcasts with people that are that are influencing and 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 looking for change. So thank you once again. Uh, you have a lovely rest of your day. And um, I will let you get on with your afternoon. All right. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye for now, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.